1: Today we have a crazy story of revenge trashing another person's apartment. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, Mary, the sly partner. I don't think couples these days have any idea what the statement, being together for better or worse, in richer or poorer, and till death do us part, means. And by couples of these days, invariably referring to my very own situation with my partner, My partner and I have been married, not particularly happily, but at least to a really considerable level or extent, and I can say with almost certainty that we have never for once had the idea of divorce, or being even remotely unfaithful, pop up in any of our conversations or arguments therein. However, after a certain incident had occurred, which was all in the matter of speaking, a simple misunderstanding, which I most definitely needed her assistance and support. I couldn't get it, as this was the one moment that really determined my fate right then and there. My partner had always been there for me through thick and thin, and she was the one person that basically ruined my entire life. And after a while had passed, she had ultimately made her return to get apparently what she assumed to be hers. But I wasn't having that. My partner, female 24, and I, 27, We're just celebrating our five-year anniversary at the time of the very incident that really changed my life for better. Let's call my partner Mary. So Mary and I had only known each other for a little over two years before we both mutually decided that we wanted a long-term relationship. And along the line, the matter of marriage came into play, and just like that, we were already both decisively and meticulously planning our lives together, taking things quite literally a step at a time. It just goes to show how much we both truly cared for one another. Anyways, we had both met way back when we were in junior high school. But her parents had to move overseas on a business related issue and it didn't seem like they were going to be back anytime soon and so they left their only daughter in the care of a family member of theirs that lived in a whole different city and thus she had to move away at the time But this didn't stop her from returning as almost two and a half years later she came back when i was in my second year of high school and at this time she had gotten a massive glow up one that really made her stand out amongst her peers and this was the time that i realized that i was already feeling a certain kind of way towards and for her i just didn't or rather couldn't explain what exactly it was that was going through my mind and what i was feeling at the time too We didn't have a proper conversation between ourselves until my final year in high school. I needed a partner to go to the senior dance with, and I just couldn't seem to get myself one at the time, and I'd already come to the conclusion that she most definitely had a partner for the dance too. I couldn't bring myself to even ask her out. After expressing my concerns to my mother in the hopes of getting some form or manner of advice from her. She told me that sooner or later, I was going to have to talk to her before the senior year runs out as I might not have the opportunity to do so again for quite a while and I might end up regretting my decision. Some of the other things she said to me really got me thinking and one way or the other, I just had to summon up the courage to talk to her. One day, right after the end of the day had been announced, I decided it was time. I silently shut off all other thoughts running in my head and I decided to engage in a conversation. This was me practically going in blind, not knowing what to expect. After over 15 minutes of conversing, I got to realize quite a lot of things of, from and about her. She was strictly introverted and thus she had a really small circle of friends. She was also uninterested in going to the dance as she didn't really feel the need to go, seeing as every other guy that had asked her out really only wanted to make her feel like an achievement, when really all she wanted was to feel the same way her peers were. I was actually feeling a different kind of way at this time because I'd began questioning whether or not I fell under the category of guys she had just turned down. But when I eventually decided that it was now or never, I asked her what her thoughts were on going to the dance with me, and surprisingly, she was in total agreement, as she said I made her feel special, and that was what she wanted. I felt really happy. We went to the party together, as we had quite the time of our lives. I was really glad I asked her out to the dance, but alas, all good things must eventually come to an end, as right after she had completed her high school, albeit at the same time I did... Her parents had already made plans for her to move on over to where they were, and we had to say our goodbyes. But this was not the end, as where she was moving to was ultimately housing the same college that had offered me a spot in their academic program, on a fully paid scholarship. This all just seemed like fate trying to keep us together. Right after removing a lot the way to a whole different country, the bond between the both of us had grown, quite considerably in fact, and this was evident in the fact that we were already so used and attached to each other that the both of us ultimately agreeing to get into a relationship was inevitable. Throughout my entire stay in college, we both were together, both in body, mind, and soul. She was the kind of person that was truly and humbly committed to a relationship when she sets her mind to it, which was one of the things that really attracted me to her when I was getting to know her personally. Anyways, right after I was done with college, she thought it was only right to introduce me to her parents, since we were already planning to spend the rest of our lives with each other. I got to meet her parents when I was in my final year in college, and things were really smooth between myself and both her parents. I would have done the same for her, other only reason being the distance between myself and my parents at the time was quite literally a whole country. But right after meeting her parents and eventually getting their seal of approval, I was sure at some point that my future with her was finalized. The only thing that was left was to just to actually get married at that point in time, and it was something that I'd been planning and working towards for quite a while. It didn't take too long anyways, as I was able to eventually financially make a name for myself, and when I was ultimately able and capable of taking care of my woman, our wedding date wasn't too far out anymore, and within a matter of a few months, we were already both happily married, and after a whole year or two, things were seeming like they were going to be that way all our lives, but I guess terrible situations that were meant to literally test us tends to bring out our true nature. We began having a few problems along the line in our marriage, and sometimes things were seeming like they were at its climax. But the one thing I knew for a fact that we were both particularly good at was communication, as neither of us lacked at all in that aspect. We both knew what to say to each other, when to say it, and the manner in which to say it. However, the only area I had a problem with was trust, as over time I could tell that the trust she had in me as her partner was slowly but surely dwindling along with the passage of time. And every single effort I made to rectify this only seemed to make things worse, and this was the one problem I had with her. Ultimately, the final test came where I, alongside a colleague of mine, was accused of fraud and theft by the same company we worked for. After quite a while of back and forth arguments, we both just needed to bring someone who could vouch for us at the next disciplinary hearing, which was going to determine our fates. My colleague brought quite a number of people, but I only deemed it fit to bring along my partner, as she was the only one who could really stand in for me at the time after the organization had carried on with its own investigation on the matter. They found my colleague not guilty, but myself on the other hand, after bringing my partner on the stand, she stood there and denied knowing me to the extent I had claimed and she even went as far as saying she actually didn't fully trust me. As I always had this sketchy behavior and all, this was more than enough to convince the board and its members that perhaps I truly was as guilty as they had thought. And after quite a few back and forth arguments, I was ultimately given the option of paying bail, which would also include me forfeiting every single property I owned, which would in turn serve as a form of compensation on the side of the company or to serve.
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online
1: I didn't hesitate, as I knew I wasn't guilty and I wasn't ready to lose everything I owned due to a certain misunderstanding, and also due to my partner whom I'd already had it out for, it wasn't even up to 2 years after the judgement was passed that my case was brought up again, and at this time, it wasn't for what I had in mind. Apparently the company had found the true culprit for the fraud and theft case, of which I was apparently found guilty for, and it wasn't who I was expecting. The same colleague, whom we both were accused, apparently was the mastermind behind it all. And it wasn't until later on that I realized that my partner was also on the cohorts with him. But before that, after the true mastermind behind the theft was found, the company immediately offered me compensation for the time I had spent in confinement, which was more than enough for me to retire myself. Upon hearing this, my so-called partner finally decided that it was time to contact me, and after several failed attempts, she decided that she was going to take the long route of divorcing me, first off, and then practically suing me for everything I owned. I could not find a premise for this, as I couldn't even begin to imagine what went wrong in our marriage, but I was ready to throw it down with her in the courtroom whenever she was ready. After spending quite a while visiting and revisiting the courtroom over and over again, I was finally triumphant in the case between the both of us, as I was allowed to keep every single penny I got from the compensation money, and she was practically left with nothing. However, this wasn't the end, as I was later contacted by said colleague who was already in prison, assuming his rightful place at the time. He sought to give me the whole story of what happened and how it happened, and that was when I was finally able to understand why my partner did what she did in the courtroom that very day. When I heard this, I wasn't willing to be lenient one single bit, as I immediately sought for every piece of evidence I could with the help of the colleague in prison, and I was able to put her behind bars for her actions against me this was basically my way of vengeance. So I'm willing to bet that this took place in a country where the legal system isn't very robust. At least from the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like there was much hard evidence. Nothing beyond just a, well, it seems like this person is the most guilty. Throw them away for six years. Considering that, I'm glad OP got payback in the end our next story is cheating x trashes my apartment so i crash his expensive car the last guy i 26 year old female dated was the one who ruined the concept of love and relationships for me let's call him jordan 31 year old male jordan was the most selfish and manipulative human i've ever met he knew his way with words and he was an expert in crafting them in a way that made you look stupid and turn every fight in his favor I didn't really think about the concept of manipulating and gaslighting till I dated him and it wasn't until I left the relationship that I realized what kind of crappy relationship I'd been in. I met Jordan at a music convention a few years ago. I had just graduated from college and I was still working as a journalist for a small magazine. My job that day was to go to the music convention and interview some artists, both the mainstream ones and upcoming ones. I went there with my coworker Caleb and we were working on the project together. Being a small magazine, it was quite difficult to get interviews from mainstream artists. They were mostly busy with interviews from popular tabloids and TV stations. Even the underground ones didn't want to talk to us. They were all focused on trying to get interviews from the main magazines. By the end of the day, we had only secured two interviews. People were already leaving and things were looking bleak. I was really tired and pissed and all I wanted was to go back home. As I walked over to the car park, I was looking into my jotter for all the points I noted down during the interviews. I wasn't looking at the road and I bumped into someone. I fell to the ground and before Caleb could step in, the guy I bumped into apologized and reached out to help me up. I also apologized for not watching the road. He was really handsome and I was just mixing up my words as I spoke to him. We introduced ourselves and he saw the ID I wore around my neck. He asked what channel I worked for and I told him the name of the magazine. I also asked him what he did and he told me he was an artist. Judging from the fact that I'd never seen him before and with my wide range of music tastes, I guessed correctly that he was just starting out and trying to make it in the industry. He asked me if I could feature him in the magazine and I said yes. We spent the next 15 minutes on the interview and when we were ready to go, Caleb found out that some other van had parked behind ours. So while he went to look for the owner of the van, I spent time talking to Jordan. Another hour later, we were finally ready to go. Jordan asked for my number and we left. Jordan texted after I got home and we started chatting. This went on for a few days and my housemates, Grace and Jerry, were quick to notice. I hadn't dated in a while and they were happy for me. After two weeks of texting, Jordan asked if we could get dinner and I said yes. He chose a high-end restaurant and we had a nice dinner. When the bill came, he insisted on paying for it himself. We kept going out like this every week, and in two months we were dating. This was when I told my friends all about him. They were surprised at the fact that he was an upcoming artist, and Grace even asked me why I was dating him. They said they didn't think someone like him would be my type. To be honest, I didn't know either. I'd always thought that my type was nerds, but Jordan was nothing like a nerd. They had their reservations about him, but I thought that it was because they hadn't met him so I invited him over to our place to meet my friends. He came over the next Friday and met my friends. We all had a good time and when he left, I asked them to give me the verdict. To my surprise, they thought even less of him than they did before. When I asked them why, they said it was obvious. He was childish and shallow and he bragged a lot, despite not having a lot of things to brag about. The only thing he had going for him was his pretty face. I couldn't believe it. I haven't seen any of these flaws they were seeing and I've been talking to him for close to 3 months at the time. They said it was because I was smitten by him and so it'll be difficult to see him as anything but perfect. I ignored all their concerns and carried on with my relationship. He was perfect to me and that was all that mattered. That was my first mistake. Jordan wasn't really a good musician but that wasn't the only thing he did he was a great dj and he made good beats he had top artists as his clientele and one particular time he sold his most expensive beat and used the money to buy a mclaren this was a really shocking move seeing that he was staying in a rundown apartment with three other roommates when he showed me the car i quickly expressed my disappointment i always thought he was going to get a better place seeing that i could never visit him in his place He said it was because of his work. He was an aspiring artist, looking to make it mainstream. The only way he could do that was to look the part, and that included driving an exotic car and wearing expensive clothes and jewelry. It was just there that I realized that my friends were right. He was shallow and vain. He cared more about how he looked to people than how he actually was. It was a startling retaliation, but it didn't change anything for me. A few more months into our relationship time started to chip away at bits of that perfect facade i had of him i got to realize how petty and vindictive he was when we went out to a carnival and they wouldn't let us on a particular ride due to some valid concerns which i've forgotten now but throughout our entire time at the carnival he was sulking and wouldn't stop talking about how rude the ride manager was to him At the end of the day, we were both thrown out of the carnival because he got caught trying to mess with the machines controlling the ride. But all these were manageable, right? I mean, we all have our flaws, even though some more than others, but I didn't see all his faults as a valid reason for leaving, until he cheated, of course. I know the stereotype of artists always having multiple ladies, but I didn't think Jordan would be anything like that. He was so loving and kind and that was why I didn't believe it when Grace told me that she saw Jordan at a party with some other girl. That night, Grace invited me to a beach party in town but I had just gotten back from work so I was tired and I decided to get some rest. I spoke to Jordan before I slept and I confirmed that he was home and wasn't planning to step out. Imagine my surprise then when Grace came back and swore that Jordan was at the party. I told her it was impossible because I'd spoken to Jordan before I slept and that she probably mistook him for someone else. After a long back and forth, she finally decided to drop it, but she warned me to be careful with him because she was sure of what she'd seen. Over the next few days, I started to notice Jordan exhibiting some strange behaviors too. He was always online, but it'll take him hours to read and reply to my texts. Whenever we were together, he always placed his phone on the table with the screen facing downwards. That was the classic behavior of someone who had something to hide. That was when I started to think that maybe Grace was onto something all along. So one night I decided to confirm for myself. I invited him over and got him drunk. When he passed out, I used his face to unlock his phone. This was difficult because I had to pry his eyelids open. Eventually it worked and I went through his chats. There I discovered that Grace was right and he was cheating on me with multiple girls in fact. The next morning when he woke up, I told him I knew, and then I kicked him out of the apartment. He tried to beg, of course, but I'm not the type to forgive cheaters. I hold myself to a higher standard than that. Jordan sent me over a million texts. At first, they were him begging me to take him back because it was a mistake, but eventually he switched up and started to blame me for everything. He said it was my fault he cheated, and it was because I always worked so much and I didn't have time for him. After a while, I blocked his number and deleted all traces of him from my life. But Jordan wasn't done with me. A month after our breakup, I received an emergency call from home. I was supposed to work on a story late into the night, but with their distress call, I had to get home at once. I reached my apartment and saw the most shocking thing. The entire place had been trashed. My room was turned upside down and all my expensive china collection had been destroyed. At first, I thought we were robbed but when I looked closely, I realized that it wasn't a robbery at all. All my clothes were shredded, and my favorite vase was burnt. It was just too personal to be a robbery. Then Jerry remembered that we had a CCTV camera out in the hallway. We went there and checked it out. That was when I realized that it was Jordan. He had a face mask on and wore black clothes, but he was still wearing the pair of shoes I got for him on his birthday, and the tattoo on his arm was visible. Jerry wanted us to call the police, but I thought they would let him off too easily. He may deny being there, and because his face was invisible in the recording, they won't take it seriously. He could just argue that lots of people have the same tattoo that he does. Besides, if he said all that and they released him, then I wouldn't be able to carry out my revenge, because all eyes would be on me. So I convinced Grace and Jerry to take laws into our own hands. That was the only way to make Jordan pay for what he did. For the next few days, we staked out his house to get a grasp of his schedule, then we got black outfits with ski masks, along with all the other materials we might need. We went to his apartment one Sunday and waited in the car till he pulled in at about 12am. That was the normal time he got back home. We gave it another hour to make sure he hadn't slept and wasn't going anywhere again. Then we left the car and went to his garage. We found our way into the McLaren and pushed it out of the garage and into the street. Then we doused it in gas before setting it on fire. We left immediately, the match was lit. We didn't have time to enjoy the carnage because we couldn't risk getting caught. The next day, the police came to ask me questions about the incident. As expected, Jordan went to the police and named me as a suspect. But when asked why, all he could say was that we'd broken up. I played them all the threatening voicemails and texts he'd sent me over the past few months and even presented them with the CCTV camera footage showing him breaking into our house and trashing the place. Then I said that he probably burnt his car himself so he could finally get me in trouble. By the end of the question, I was free to go. But Jordan, on the other hand, was held back for more questioning, seeing that there was proof of previous vandalism. Also, I learned that Jordan didn't have insurance on the car, i expected it actually all he used his money for was to show off he had no plans for the future and now it has come to bite him in the butt i mean i can't lie i think i would just take the gamble that the police would actually hold this person accountable i mean i'm willing to bet his alibi probably wasn't very good and there's literally no reason especially with the tattoo and the shoes to believe that any other person with that tattoo was committing that crime i think op was a little blinded with rage this next story is homophobic neighbor messes with my friends so we trash her apartment personally i 31 year old female believe that the world was not built to be a stagnant place it's evolving on a daily basis the norm as we know it today might not be what it is tomorrow and we've seen this play out in our culture and traditions there are some things that were not accepted 20 to 50 years ago that is now being accepted as humans we all have a finite amount of things we know and can comprehend we can't claim to understand a person if we know nothing of their experiences and what makes them who they are. This is why I have a big problem with opinionated people. These are the ones that are quick to judge a matter they know nothing about. I might not agree with a person's way of life, but instead, I prefer to respect their choices. Some people can't even agree with this level of courtesy, and one such person is my neighbor, Mrs. K, 53-year-old female. Before I moved into my new apartment, I'd been living with my parents after I was done with college. Before then, I had retained the two-bedroom apartment I'd been staying in with my roommate while trying to get a job. My roommate Haley, 29-year-old female, got an offer before me, and so she had to move to a different city to work. I couldn't keep up with paying the rent alone, and there wasn't a job around that I was remotely interested in, so I decided to go back till I got something. And then, one day, I checked my mail and got an invitation to come in for an interview in a city, hours away from my parents' house. The interview was set for the morning, and there was no way in heck that I'd be able to make it in time to the office, no matter how early I woke up. So I decided to go a day before. I had some friends staying in the area, Jane and Susie. I met them in college and they've been together since freshman year. I gave them a call and they told me to come over, and so I did. The next day I went for the interview and to my surprise they gave me the job. I have to say I was so surprised when I got the job because like I said, I've been putting out resumes but I haven't gotten any replies. That was my first interview and I just didn't expect that they'd pick me immediately. I hadn't even made plans for where I'd stay and all because I thought I'd have to go back home. But here they were, asking me to start immediately. I got back to Susie and Jane's apartment and told them the news. Then I called my parents and told them too. I wanted to get an apartment but I couldn't ask my parents for the money and I didn't want to get a loan for my friends. So instead, they told me to stay with them until I got enough money to move. In two months, I'd saved up enough money to get my own place and so I did. I moved to an apartment complex that was even closer to work and I went back to my parents place to pack my stuff. Jane and Susie helped me with this move. They had a friend who owned a moving truck and I didn't have to pay anything. As we were unpacking the moving boxes, there was a knock on the door. I walked over to open it and standing at the threshold was this older woman holding a bowl of strawberry pie. She greeted me cheerfully and introduced herself as Mrs. K. She handed me the pie and walked into my apartment, even before I gave her permission to do so. I felt it was rude, but she was from a different generation, so I had to take into account the fact that they used to do things differently. Besides, she gave me a pie. The least I could do was entertain her. She complimented my apartment, even though I'm pretty sure it looks exactly like hers. After all, she said she was living next door. Anyways, we talked for a moment, and when I say we talked, I mean she was mostly giving me interior decoration advice after a few minutes susie and jane walked out of the bedroom laughing they saw mrs k and said hi she replied curtly as she stared at jane's clothes jane had always been on the more masculine side and she liked to dress as such after a while mrs k asked how we all knew each other and i told her we'd been friends since college i knew exactly why she was asking and so i answered that way because i wanted to be as vague as possible but she wasn't relenting. She turned to Susie and asked if Jane was just her friend or her sister. Jane, who was oblivious of what was happening, told her Susie was her girlfriend. Mrs. K nodded and without a word, she walked out of the house. After a moment, Jane asked if she had said anything wrong that annoyed the woman, but I told her not to worry about it. I didn't want to tell her that my new neighbor was homophobic. Besides, I hadn't confirmed myself, it was still a speculation. They left early the next day after helping me set up my apartment, and I went to work. When I got back in the evening, Mrs. K stopped me in the hallway. She asked me about my friends and asked if they were going to be living with me. When I told her no, she heaved a sigh of relief and said that it was great because she didn't want a bunch of lesbians living in the same building as her. That was where I confirmed it. She was definitely homophobic. Next, she asked me to stay away from them. She said being gay was of the devil and she didn't want them initiating me into the fold. I quickly took my stand there. I told her not to talk about my friends that way, or she'll have to answer to me. She was obviously shocked by my response, but she nodded and left. I was really pissed, but I didn't want to cause any problems, so I decided not to say anything about it. Two weeks later, Jane and Susie came over to my place to spend the weekend. They had an entire plan for a girls hangout and since I don't get much time for fun because of work, I decided to roll with it. That night we were listening to music and talking when a knock came on the door. It was Mrs. K. She came over to tell us to put the music down. As I opened the door, she saw Jane and Susie in the living room and her entire expression changed. She asked why they were in my house and I said they were my friends and they were welcome in my house anytime. After a while, she said we should turn down the music or she was going to call the police and have me fined for disturbing the peace of the building. I swear, I wasn't even playing the music that loudly, but still I decided to turn it down a bit. I even got my friends to reduce their voices so she wouldn't have anything to complain about. But apparently that wasn't enough because less than an hour later, another knock came on the door, and when I opened the door, there was a policeman standing there. He told me someone filed a noise complaint and I could immediately guess that it was Mrs. K. I hadn't paused the music yet, so I showed him that I wasn't being loud and that the true problem was that she didn't like my friends being in the same building as her. I explained the situation thoroughly, and when I was done, the policeman apologized and turned to leave. That was when Mrs. K leaped out of her apartment and demanded that the party should be broken up and my friends should be made to leave. The policeman told her that we weren't doing anything against the law, and so he had no business there. I'd been trying to keep Jane and Susie out of the dark about Mrs. K's prejudice towards them, but with what happened, it became quite obvious. And so I had to tell them. They didn't care. They've had so many people hate on them for nothing more than their sexuality, so Mrs. K's prejudice wasn't new to them. Over the next few weeks, they came over during the weekends and we hung out. Mrs. K always found something to complain about. If it wasn't for the noise, she'd accuse us of smoking in the room. One time she called up the super and told him to evict me from the house because I wasn't a good fit for the building. I had a good relationship with the super and so he told me about it. At this point, I was sick and tired of her harassing my friends. They couldn't just decide to come to my place without having to worry about my crazy next door neighbor, so I decided that it was time I did something about it. I called my friends and told them my plan. They had a good laugh about it and decided to help. We hung out at my place and brainstormed ideas on how to mess with her. After cancelling out some really good but illegal plans, we settled on scaring her out of the apartment. We were going to let her believe the apartment had a snake infestation. Susie knew a guy from college who could get her a supply of snakes. She reached out to him and after a few weeks, he delivered her a number of venomless snakes. Then one day, when I was sure Mrs. K had left her house, we broke into her house and dropped four snakes in different parts of the apartment before leaving. I can still remember her screams when she got back to the apartment and found snakes in her room. She called the super and had to stand in the hallway for hours before he came and helped her get them out. Three days later, we snuck in more snakes and the same thing happened again. I pretended to be concerned about the snake infestation in the building and even asked her what she was going to do if it persisted. She said she wouldn't have any choice but to leave because she hated snakes. I told the girls about the progress of my plan and in the next phase I pretended to find snakes in my own apartment. I did this to remove every ounce of suspicion from me and give the story more credibility. Now she wasn't the only one with the snake problem and so it made it more real. My plan worked to the T, and when she heard about my problem, she decided that she wasn't staying in the apartment anymore. She made plans to move, and by the end of the month, she was gone. The day she drove away with the moving van, my friends and I celebrated all night long. We even got a cake with the inscription, Good Riddance. That's a pretty elaborate plan, I just feel bad if anything for the snakes. I mean, what happened to them when they get removed? Do they even get removed alive? Who's the advocate here for the health and safety of the snakes? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.